welcome to Women's Cricket Chat. I'm Hannah. And I'm Alexandra, Alex for short. Coming up on today's podcast, we've got a former Scotland international cricketer, Olivia Ray. Now, Olivia Ray is a big mental health advocate and has set up Ray Cricket Coaching. During this podcast, Olivia talks candidly about her time as a Scottish international player and the highs and the lows that come with it. She also talks about having a good support system in place when going through these hard times. So thank you so much for joining us today and I guess the first place to start is can you just introduce yourself from your own words? Well I'd start by saying my name which is Olivia Ray but most people call me Ollie to be honest. I don't know whether you find but in in the cricket world you always get a nickname and it tends to end with like an E at the end. I actually think that we could do some research on this and find out what, what nicknames in cricket are but yeah I am a cricket coach, cricket player, absolutely love the game. And really, really, what's really important to me as well is is mental health and mindset. So I guess that's me. So a good place to start as well as taking you back to your Scotland career. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you first get into the game and especially reaching that top level there? Good question. I think always maintaining enjoyment of cricket has probably been the, the constant thing. I, I kind of fell into the game by chance when I was younger. I was playing around on the sidelines of my brother's cricket practice, uh, just throwing a ball, catching it, and the coach said, get involved. And I never really looked back. And it's always been a hobby of mine. And I think what was difficult at the time, so just a little bit before I started playing for Scotland, was it didn't seem like it could be a, a career option. So it was always a case of studies and job, and then cricket, you know, would be having to take a back seat as much as I would, would have liked it to not. So yeah, so when I actually started playing for Scotland, because I'd gone to do my master's at Edinburgh Uni, and I'd always, I wanted to go to Edinburgh for my undergrad, but I didn't get in. So, so I found a way in eventually. And yeah, I've got some Scot- Scottish heritage. My dad's Scottish and my, my grandparents on my, my dad's side. So I basically got, went, went to do my, do my master's and got in touch with the Scotland team and just said, yeah, really, really keen. And, uh, and I got invited to a training session. And just from there, just, just worked hard and trained and, worked, and played for Edinburgh Uni as well. And, and that's where it began. What made you decide to play for Scotland? Because were you eligible to play for England or for Wales or anywhere else? So what made you decide to pick Scotland? It's a very good question. I, I'm not really someone that really like makes many conscious decisions. So actually something I'm working on is, is actually maybe, you know, planning for things and aiming for things a bit more, which to be fair, I did do last year for the first time, which we can maybe address later on. But it wasn't like a conscious choice. I think I never allowed myself to to really chase the dream of playing for England. I, I did have an England trial when I was 11 years old. And then I got a stress fracture in my back, which was a tough thing to happen as an 11 year old, because I couldn't then do any sport for like a whole year, had to wear a back brace. And I think that, yeah, I think that probably in hindsight affected the way I sort of thought about cricket and, and aiming for things because I learned very early on that it can get taken away it's not it wasn't a conscious thing but I really do think on hindsight that's what was happening so it was never like oh, I want to go and play for England I want to go and play for Scotland it's just I just want to play cricket I want to play cricket anywhere that will have me and I'll do my best and, and let's see what happens so that was the mindset I kind of had to adopt really if I'm honest so did you have many kind of role models or people who inspired you to perhaps go to Scotland to play there? Do you see any other women in the game at that time? Good question. The fact that I'm having to wrap my brains is obviously a potential no, <laughs> because you couldn't really see any women's professional. Even the England team was all behind closed doors, right? It wasn't televised or anything. So 
at that point I was probably still watching men's cricket and getting my inspiration from them I'm just trying to think I actually I didn't I didn't have any female cricket role models it's an honest answer and just following up on that I guess what is the implications of that do you think for your career so the fact that you couldn't see anybody doing what you then did was that problematic or I think it's probably why I might not have had that dream and might not have pushed myself to to pursue a career as, as a professional because it, it couldn't see it and it is that that saying that, that we see all the time you you can't be what you can't see and I would say that was definitely the case for my life. I think one thing that has popped into my head where it probably started to become a little bit more real was because Danny Hazel was at my cricket club. So we trained together from under 11s up in Durham County. She obviously had a fantastic England career. And because I guess she was from my local community and I got to see her story, she went and played for Yorkshire and she she kind of chased that dream full on and, and head on. But she, she I mean, she was unique in what she did also coming from the north of England like at that time majority of England cricket, English cricketers were from the south it was quite dominated in that sense so I kind of was inspired by what she was doing but it was it was still like that kind of that was really brave and really bold and like really proud of everything that she's achieved but I was still thinking I need to go and do all of these other things like I've got to have a career and, and that stability so yeah just wanted to add that in because that was I mean yeah really impressive for those for those women at, of my generation that made it like what they had to do and, and is incredible. Could you explain a little bit about what it's like growing up in the northeast and how big cricket is there because I've heard it's big from a couple of friends from uni but to sort of give our listeners the idea who may not even be from this country. Yeah for sure so I'm from County Durham and I'll just throw Ben Stokes straight in there it's where Ben Stokes is from so that's pretty much all I need to say you know he's an absolute legend but of course it's also where Danny Hazel's from as well so two fantastic English cricketers Paul Collingwood as well I mean you could say that we do generate the best talent in cricket I mean that could be an argument you know throw it throw me in there as well why not just quickly as well because part of my research was spoken to those former players of the 70s 80s 90s and quite a lot of those are northerners so I'm not sure what happened maybe there was a little blip in selectors or something and decide because like you said during that kind of era late 90s 2000s it was kind of more I was getting the wrong way around Surrey or Sussex yeah and I'm thinking it is that it was definitely Sussex because Georgia Adams raised the point as well because she was saying like as a young teen when she was breaking through it was like Caroline Atkins and I think Sarah Taylor was down there too it was basically a huge lineup of England players so I, was she Sussex was that sorry? Holly Colvin? Yeah, she definitely named dropped Holly Colvin, yeah. uh, Georgia Elwes. I'm pretty sure it was Sarah Taylor, unless she was. Yeah, Sarah Taylor was. She still, well, she still plays for Sussex, so I'm assuming that's where she's always. Yeah, been. I hope so. I'm having a bit of a moment today, I think. I've like, brain's gone. I'm normally really good at remembering all of that kind of stuff. Actually, you're not sleep deprived because you haven't been getting up. You're not as committed as Alex and I in watching cricket, so that's not an excuse. I know. Yeah. I'm a very dedicated England fan. Very dedicated. I'm impressed. You've managed to get up for 4am every day. Yeah, I mean, when you're on furlough and there's nothing to do, why not watch the cricket? But if we can get back to normality somehow with cricket, even if there's no fans in the ground, I will take that rather than what we had last year until about July, August time. Yeah, completely. I'm just really liking that there's something to be excited about right now. 
and yeah waking up for that first day at 4am I felt I had real purpose in that morning to do, to do something and get excited so that's that's my reason and back to you and less about us so hopefully this is correct because obviously online archives are always useless for women's sport especially cricket because the stats are never done correctly unless you're hypercourse who has it nailed and without people like that we would be so lost but you played for Scotland is it 76 times is that correct well I mean I say I'm saying it's correct because I go online to get the stats so (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah let's go with it so what's been your kind of high points playing for Scotland what what memories do you have of the the key moments for you there like what was the absolute highs so getting to travel with cricket was always something that I look back really fondly yes you get to go and experience new cultures which is fantastic but also that I think as a team when you go on tour like there's just nothing that beats it and because it was an unusual thing for us I mean you'd think oh international cricket tours all the time but that wasn't the case for Scotland we played as a county against other counties so to actually go away and experience that tour life I would love to have done it more but I'm so grateful that I did have that experience there's just nothing that beats it it's just absolutely brilliant you're just away and your sole purpose purpose is to play cricket and be with the team and yeah best best memories definitely what was it like playing in the qualifiers for the 2017 women's world cup awesome obviously I mean playing cricket in Sri Lanka being on tour with the team Yeah, so that particular tournament, I was opening the batting for Scotland, absolutely up for the challenge of what of what that was. First time playing against the likes of South Africa and Pakistan and Bangladesh. It's so annoying because I've always felt I've had what it takes to play at the highest level. And those opportunities, that was the only time I ever got an opportunity. I one opportunity in my lifetime to play South Africa and one time to play Pakistan. So you know, you know, it is what it is, but I do remember both innings vividly, especially the South Africa one, opening the bang with an Ishmael bowling at me. She, she, she bounced me, first time she bounced me, four runs, thank you very much. But no, the first one was off the top of my bat. Second one, I actually connected a full on pull shot before. Then she bounced me again, which fair play to her, like she didn't give up. So I've just hit eight runs of Ishmael, like best, fastest female bowler in the world at that point. But then I got out trying to pull again and it as I top edged it and the keepers like to be fed in an absolute scream and run back and done diving catch. But I remember just I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was the best innings of my life. And I remember going off and just I just had all this adrenaline. I couldn't calm down. I was just so excited. You know, in hindsight, with all of the kind of learning I've done now with mindset and all that kind of stuff, would have been great for me to have calmed down, maybe ducked and you know, thought a bit more. But in the moment, I was just absolutely loving it but then it was over and it was just like oh and I never got that I never got that feeling again which is what it is but I absolutely loved it and when you travel to countries like Sri Lanka do you immerse yourself in the culture at all yeah definitely I mean I've actually been to Sri Lanka a handful of times before it's one of my favorite countries in the world people are really accommodating really kind I like the kind of the Buddhist side of things so going to the temples and and I, I really enjoy that sort of the mindfulness element of the culture as well. Food's amazing. But yeah, I think it's important that, you know, we, we, yeah, we're going to play cricket, but yeah, you're being hosted by, by a culture and, and making the effort to, to get to know them, to understand and ask questions. It, it, I mean, it expands your learning, if anything. And yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it. I love traveling and I love cricket. So winning, really. 
And then this is a bit of a political question too. So obviously what you've achieved is phenomenal, but do you feel you get the same respect that your male counterpart perhaps would get for the same achievements? I think if I was have to say yes or no, I am the person that I love to sit on the fence around most things, to be honest. But I'd say I'd say no, unfortunately. And I think there's some huge work to be done, I guess, cultural change. So, you know, for me, though, which I think is really important to remember, is I still managed to play the highest level that was available to me in Scotland. You know, so the achievement is no different. So in that sense, you can keep it pretty simple. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be seen on the same level. And, you know, we, like I said, I got one opportunity to play against South Africa. That's just, that's the way we were. But, you know, had those opportunities been greater, you know, had, had it been the case now where we've got with the professional structure in England and there's going to be more opportunities to train full time. I've never been able to fully focus and train full time. You know, we've never been paid to play. You know, it's always been a, a battle to get tours on for women because the funding wasn't being allocated so and all that kind of stuff but yet we still persevered and we still stepped on the pitch and if we hadn't done that you know the game wouldn't be where it was today and I'm absolutely not trying to say give myself credit or anything like that but I'm just saying if you look at it in a different lens if you look at it through the lens of, of us and and the time that we were playing it's an absolutely fantastic achievement and that's my message to anybody in the same boat as me is to be really really proud because if you don't believe it was an achievement then how can you expect anybody else to? And I think you should be really proud of what you achieve and, and talk about it. A hundred percent, because that's the answer I was hoping you were going to give to, to be fair, because I think the work that does go on behind the scenes and players like yourself who have paved the way need to be recognised. And at the same time, obviously, like you say, you're super proud of what you've achieved, but just getting that level of respect from other people as well, I think is so important because if you were a man, perhaps, you would be getting, oh my God, you play for Scotland. And, and I feel like that noise isn't perhaps as amplified in the women's space at the moment. And that's an area that like Alex and I are both really passionate about. It's actually shouting about stories like yourself and be like, look, this is what she's achieved. Let's make some noise. Let's give you the credit that you should have got back when you were playing. How have you found like the media coverage around kind of perhaps making your debut to your whole kind of career with Scotland? Minimal to, to zero. <laughs> I'll be honest. And and that's not, I've got no resentment for, for those around at the time, because I think it, like I said, it, it was, it was deeply embedded and still is deeply embedded in our culture. And yeah, I think you'll, you'll know that I'm, I'm quite vocal on social media and I am not egotistic. I am not like, Oh, look at me. Like, that's not what it is. And I think when you get to know me, you know, you, you would understand that I'm doing what I guess should be happening for others and myself, but it's not about me. It's, it's not about me, but giving myself, that because I am proud of what I've achieved and I think I've got an opportunity to show others that you know to be proud and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being proud and and also you know through my new role as woman and girls manager at Bucks is is amplifying the stories of, of women as much as I can so I've got in partnership with Oxfordshire and Berkshire next week I've organized a Q&A with the Vipers and I'm you know shouting about George Adams and Charlotte Taylor and Charlotte Edwards on our Instagram page got their faces right there you know, so when we look at, you know, as an organisation, we look at that social media page and we see women and men and we also see people from diverse backgrounds as well. You know, and, and, and this is not, this is not, what's the word? I'm not criticising Middlesex, for instance, but one thing I did notice about their newsfeed when I was a player was that it was very male dominated. And I noticed that and it would be the odd post for a woman. 
why does it always have to be just one post in you know why can't it be equal you know whenever you do a, a media video you just put the token female in well why shouldn't it be 50 percent or you know what i mean at least not look like you're just putting a woman in because she's a woman for sake of the fact she's a woman rant over <laughs> honestly i fully back that and appreciate that too because middlesex did post out their 175 year anniversary and i might have jumped a little bit because I was like oh my god there's only one woman on this thread and I think it was Naomi Datani and then it turns out there wasn't just one out of about say 15 to 20 kind of people they replied back oh no there's actually Beth Morgan too and I was kind of like wow is that something to celebrate like you've only got two women there in a long history of potential players that you could draw upon yeah and, and again it's not it's not personal I think oh no, yeah it's cultural and it's, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people that add their voices to these kind of decisions. But, and we're talking about it because we want to make a difference, we want to change it. And, you know, that's one example. And there are plenty of other examples where that is happening. I think if everybody was to go and look at, you know, county news feeds and other news feeds, and, and it would be, it would be similar. And, but I guess it's always good to focus on the positives and things are changing. And yeah. in my new role, I can start to influence in, in any small way that I possibly can. But we've got we've got to we've got to come together. And I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. And you're really amplifying the voices of female cricketers and, and people that work in the women's game. And yeah, you're gonna be making a huge difference. So thank you. Oh, honestly, you'll make me cry in a minute. I'm a very emotional person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alex hates let's it. Let's all start crying on the podcast. But if yeah, you're it's okay to cry. By the way. <laughs> Honestly, Alex is the cool one and I'm the emotional one, so. Compliment each other. <laughs> I'm just cringy, but. <laughs> I also wanted to ask, do you think that's why people from, say, the ethnic minorities don't really make it to the top level in cricket? Because there's not really that representation seen. It's certainly a factor. I mean, yeah, I think it does come back to you can't be what you can't see. So taking back to my story and not seeing a woman, at all whether it was a white woman or a woman from a from an ethnically diverse background that you know they weren't there to be seen I think that is definitely one element and I think if you can you know amplify those people's voices and 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 get those stories out there that is that is certainly one thing but I think it's it's deeper than that I think with with when you talk about diversity and we've got to pull down all those barriers we've got to find out what they are and that's again something through through my role that I can I can look into and and what what is it exactly that's stopping these diverse communities getting into the pathway and yeah it's it's a, it's a huge issue that I don't have the answer to but one which I'm gonna work really really hard at trying to support and help like you say it's definitely it's culture isn't it and it's just being more conscious of the decision making processes and ensuring like you say across media channels that it is more representative of the people who work in the industry and the players that are part of that particular club because I know from like being at Somerset and everything it was a clash between well the Somerset channel is Somerset and then there's the county board and that's where you women and girls sit you're on the county board side you're not the club so I know there's lots of politics behind the scenes and stuff so have you had to deal with any kind of politics at the moment within your new job or has it been quite plain sailing? To be honest I think yeah it's been it's been plain sailing so far I think that's possibly representative of the time we are in so positive and I've been welcome with open arms and 
gone out dealing with clubs and 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 so far it has been it has been really positive i'll be honest i think let's just see how it goes but i'm waving the flag for for women and diversity and and yeah i'm not going to be a bystander put it that way so i will be actively trying to make a difference in, in what i do but yeah, yeah if you could just give us your job title and obviously where yeah so i'm woman and girls manager for buckingshire cricket yes yeah, so as woman and girls manager for bucks i'm working essentially overseeing all of the kind of strategy areas so that's clubs schools pathway and our urban stuff as well so it's a very broad role and and one which i've kind of got the opportunity to shape which is really exciting and a lot of it is is going to be working effectively with others and empowering others to 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 do delivery because there's only so much i can do but i think for me is is i want it to be really clear for whoever you are as a as a girl wherever you're from whatever situation you're in it's really clear where you can get involved and that there's a diverse range of offering it's clear where the pathway is so where where you can potentially lead to and, and what the steps are and also i think for clubs and community hubs and wherever cricket is happening that it's welcoming communities and it's family friendly and um, because at the end of the day you know and, and yes i'm competitive believe me i'm competitive but you know cricket and sport is about getting active it's about enjoyment and fun and being able to be yourself express yourself and it should be something that uplifts your mood do you think your coaching experience will help you in this role definitely i think i mean i'm, I'm, I'm going to to get involved as a coach because that is a skill that i have and it's a skill that i can bring to the role and i think we've got a fantastic managing director and he's very much about shaping the role to a person so what your skills are and, and bringing those out and so one thing will be will be delivering some coaching in the pathway another thing will be going and supporting club coaches so giving them some some extra ideas to help expand what they're doing i think you know coach education and, and, and tutoring all those kind of things that i'm really keen to to get involved with but i think also like just the sort of general characteristics and things i've i've learned and adapted adopted sorry is from being a coach and is is getting to know people understanding the person and building relationships and creating rapport because whatever you do i think that's the most important thing you know trust underlies everything and as i'm, I'm going out there new to this role i've got to find ways to ask the right questions listen to understand and really find out what those issues are what the barriers are so that i can best help um, what was your entry point into coaching? What motivated you and how did you first get involved? This is simple. I love cricket. So anything that had cricket on it, I went and, and did. But it happens to be that I wasn't clever enough at the time to make the connection. But I've always been passionate about helping people. Like this comes from my grandma, actually. She's, she's all, she was always raising money and raising funds through Cathod, which is a Catholic organisation that sends money and, and supports people in Africa. So I was kind of seeing all of that stuff from a young age. So I've always had this kind of want to help people, to help people less fortunate than me. I'm not sure if that's a PC term, but that's how I used to see it. You know, I used to want to help people. And then but coaching, it genuinely was, it was cricket and I just want to do anything to do with cricket. But I soon, you know, realised the connection and how I actually get to do everything that is is what I am through, through cricket and coaching. And that's helping others reach their potential. And that is genuinely what motivates me. When you went into doing your coaching and everything, was it quite an easy process? Do you have any challenges to overcome? Well, I was the only girl on my first two coaching qualifications, but I wouldn't say that was a barrier. I'm, I'm making it as a point just to see what it was like at the time. But I think 
I got so used to it. Like all, all my cousins are boys. I was, you know, playing cricket as the only girl in my club side. So actually it wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't a barrier. That was just the state as it was. And I think I was accepted because of, of my ability as, as a player. I was a county player at the time. And yeah, I, I don't look back on it and see it, see it as a barrier at the initial stages. I think the barriers come to play when you've got your qualifications and you're then trying to get roles and opportunities. And it seems to be the reason that you don't get them is because you're a woman, because you've got the same qualifications and experiences as someone else who happens to be a man and who happens to get the opportunities. I found that happened a lot. Do you think there's the value in the kind of the women's only kind of coaching qualifications? Because I've seen they've popped up quite a lot more more recently and female only umpiring courses. Is that a good way to introduce more women into the game, do you think? I think if if people find it is a barrier to sort of to go and, and train and, and learn to be a coach amongst men, then yes. But, he, but I'd also counteract that and say, well, if we keep separating it, is that just not going to keep adding uh, amplifying the issue so you know I'm on my level four right now with one other female and yeah I mean I think that that's that's brilliant because we get to show uh you know who we are and, and share our perspective as equals with the other male coaches and that's what it needs to be and but if we need that extra bit of support and, and do some female only coaches if that is what is required then then brilliant I think it's it's probably asking asking female coaches you know what do you want what is your preference is it a female only course then of course then then let's do that but the overall aim is to be equally respected and you know I'd love to see that a female coach can go and coach the England men's team because that's true diversity it's not just female coaches coaching females and working with females because then we just have like women's here and men here and it would be completely separate and you know we've all got we've all got something to offer no matter who we are that's such a good answer because yeah I think the most important thing is like say ask those coaches or ask for players and that's where I kind of put all my research is to get those voices and then I learn rather than to assume so definitely I'll pass you across to Alex. Yeah you mentioned earlier briefly I think it was that when you started coaching or, or getting your coaching qualifications you I think you were playing county cricket alongside it so I just wanted to know how easy is it to get your qualifications whilst playing county cricket good question I mean I didn't have a choice and I think things are a lot easier when you're passionate about them so you know if it's a reason to get out of bed in the morning and you want to do it you'll make time for it and yeah I mean in hindsight in an ideal world maybe I could have had a, a professional cricket career and then moved into coaching but but actually, there's a lot to be said about having something else while you're a professional cricketer. And I suppose that just leads on to some advice I'd like to give, which is if you're a young girl now or somebody that's just going into professional cricket, that it does have expiry date. So as much as like maybe I'd have liked my career to go in different ways, I think that having something else that you, you're passionate about and that you do is, is really important. So a coaching qualification alongside playing could genuinely be, be a really good thing. And I think that if you can fit that in with, with your training, then brilliant. And then you've obviously launched Ray Cricket Coaching as well. So tell us a bit about that. How did that idea first come around? And of course, on social media, you're using that platform really well to inspire young people, older people to just pick up a bat and a ball. I'll be honest, I, I couldn't get a job. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. So I just had all of this passion to to work in cricket and to to make a difference but I wasn't really getting the platform so I created it for myself and created Ray Cricket Coaching 
and yeah it was it was the best decision it's kind of evolved into something slightly different now but initially you know I just couldn't get a full-time job in cricket for the life of me I got down to um second if you want to call it that for a director of crickets role and that was the final straw I was like right I've, I've tried I've almost got a job and yeah I'm just gonna start my own business and yeah it was brilliant I ended up, I ended up in India two weeks after I launched it delivering a camp which was just yeah one of the best experiences ever and it's been really great for my confidence getting that experience and knowing that yeah I kind of started something and, and things start to happen been really good so yeah now it's obviously I've got a full-time job in cricket which is great but now it's it's a, it's a platform for me to share ideas as well as you know when I when I do have time and the job allows uh, to, to continue coaching and let's just see where it goes but yeah that's that that's me that that is my my philosophy and and everything kind of through through Ray Cricket Coaching. I think that story will really resonate with people because speaking from personal experience, graduating university, it's not been easy to find a job in journalism. A lot of the times they say you need experience, but how do you get experience if you can't get a job? So it's a never ending cycle. So I think what you've done is really admirable and it's really inspiring and it shows that there are other ways to get to where you want to be. First of all, thank you. You know, if I can inspire at least one person, as cheesy as that sounds, then that's absolutely brilliant. I think I do agree with that. It's a challenge because I was I was kind of like, I'm getting told I don't have enough experience, but where do I get that experience from? And it's still the case now. I mean, I have a job that I'm hugely passionate about and absolutely loving it. I did apply for a couple of jobs before that. And the feedback I was getting back was, you're not experienced enough. But it is, as a female coach, it's been really, really hard to get that experience. And like you said, it goes across different disciplines as well. And there are different ways. You've got to think outside the box. So another thing as well is, yep, start your own business, give it a crack. That's that's one thing. But I think networking is really, really important. And I started to put myself out there a bit more like with the idea of like, I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And just connecting to different people, different organizations. And the more you broaden that, the more you kind of, you get these opportunities that, that come about and that could be talking on a podcast it could be becoming an ambassador for a charity which is exactly what happened to me I'm, I'm ambassador for two charities now and through then you meet other people and yeah I think you know that I mean giving up is not an option so just yeah keep 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 trying and I think I probably stayed silent for too long and I think through Ray Cricket coaching and, and everything it kind of started to show what I was going through in a, in a different way I was being proactive but people start asking questions of okay who is this female coach doing this? That's really interesting. And what's her story? And, you know, by speaking about the barriers that are in our way, first of all, there'll be other people that identify with it, but there are lots of kind people out there that will step up and say, tell you what, I've got an opportunity for you. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of my advice in a long-winded way. 100% because your blog that you recently published as well, this line really like rang true to me. It's the opinions of others do not define you. And I think for me growing up, especially, I related to that comment. I messaged you straight away, like, thank you so much for like publishing your blog firstly, because you had a sense of vulnerability. You put out all of your feelings and emotions there unapologetically. So it was truly relatable in all its kind of senses. But at that point as well, for me playing cricket, growing up as a kid, people were always having to go at my action. And it'd been filmed, it'd been checked, it was absolutely fine. But that's what kind of ruined cricket for me, because... It was constantly, oh, you're a chucker, you're throwing it. And it just ruined the absolute fun out of it. But going back to the point of that blog, what's your purpose? Tell us a little bit about the motivations behind writing it 
and obviously the feedback that you've received since. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult time and it's, a lot of time has passed since. I'm, so I'm, I guess I'm in a place of, a place where I, I've changed my beliefs and thoughts about that experience. Like I, can, I can look at it as, a, as something I grew through and yeah, that wasn't the case. So I think in, the reason why, I mean, the blog genuinely just came to me in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep and I just wrote. So it wasn't planned, but I think what's happened is I've got to a point where I've got clarity. And for me, like I, I quite often do like selfie videos for my socials and stuff, but they're never planned. It, it's just, I get something just happens. You probably get it as well, Hannah, as, uh, when you write and stuff. It's like, I need to write this. And I need to share this with people because I think this could really help someone. And I just, and I just get this kind of passion to do it. And it's the same when I record a video, I just talk and you kind of get into this flow state. I can't plan stuff. I really can't. If, if someone was like, go write this right now, I would just, I wouldn't be able to do it. And yeah, I mean, I've tried to commit to blogs before. And as soon as I say, I'm going to do a weekly blog, it all goes to part. And I probably do one once every five years. So I don't do anything anymore, even with Ray Cricket Coach or anything. It's just when I, when I get inspired, I'll, I'll do something and it's authentic and it means something. But yeah, reflecting on that, why did I, why did I kind of find my purpose or how did I find my purpose? I think, unfortunately, and it's not something that I wish upon anyone, but I think getting to a point where you feel the lowest of the low is, is a really hard place to be. But what it does or what it did was enabled me to, everything was stripped back, everything seemed to have gone. And I had to just really dig deep and see what was inside. And, and I think being in the pandemic, it was a case of, well, what can I do? Like, what can I do? What is going to be a reason for me to keep getting out of bed in the morning? And, and I came back to that, that feeling that I had when I was a child, which was, I want to help people. And I don't really know why I want to. I mean, I, don't, I can't dig any deeper to get the answer to that. But I just, that's just what motivates me. You know, I've been through, I think everything that's happened in my life, all the challenges that I've been through, you know, happened for a reason, made me who I am today. And if I can help others kind of realise their potential and, and yeah, that, that's, that's essentially what it is. And, and it genuinely is what I believe my purpose is. And so when I'm doing my job, whatever that is, new jobs in the future when I'm playing cricket when I'm coaching when I'm just randomly sat in a cafe like that's my purpose and I think what's great about your blog is that it resonates with a lot of people like it resonated with me I've never played cricket at any level but to me it resonated on a journalistic level because there have been so many times since I graduated that I've doubted myself is this the right career path should I should I've gone down another route and I think like you say it takes you to hit rock bottom and reassess to realize that actually no you're on the right path there's a plan for everyone it's just going to take you a little bit longer to reach where you're going yeah absolutely and also I remember the second part of the question now which was the response of people which you've just reminded me so yeah obviously I'm, I'm I'm really happy that it resonated with both you on different levels and I you know I had a couple of messages a couple of people whatsapp me a couple of people dm me and it all resonated with people in different ways but I think the key message there is you know we tell our stories you know we tell our truth we speak our truth and it's going to impact people in different ways but yeah and, and some people might feel inspired to then tell their truth or someone might be feel inspired to not give up on the dream that they were chasing there's so many messages and I could you know I could talk about them all but but yeah I've now lost my trail of thought <laughs> so just following up on that as well obviously if you don't want to talk about it absolutely fine but obviously with your county kind of career playing for Middlesex the next kind of step was that regional setup for you so are you okay to talk about obviously the disappointment there and that 
conversation that you had with that particular coach so you don't need to name drop or anything like that are you okay to talk about that or would you prefer to yeah yeah no I'm I'm, I'm happy to talk about it I think I've, I'm in a, a real positive place and, and everything that I say will be with that kind of lesson lens and, and you know what we learn from our experiences so yeah I'm happy to yeah, talk about it. perfect yeah just because I'm thinking some of our listeners would have followed your career journey and I know some of them definitely were upset for you during that period of time as well when perhaps we thought you would be getting one of the regional places and obviously it didn't quite happen so how did you deal with that disappointment and going forwards do you still have ambitions to get into that setup yeah great questions how did I deal with it thankfully I've got an incredible support network people around me which I'd kind of yeah start to develop over the last few years and 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 again by putting yourself out there and and you know asking questions of people and, and talking to people like it's it all benefits because at some point down the line those authentic relationships are really really meaningful when you go through challenge again you do kind of know who your friends are when you go through difficult situations and I'm just so lucky that I've got so many amazing people around me so that was that was one element but obviously there's only so much there is only so much that other people can do in terms of support and and it was it was it was really challenging and I think I kept on getting these kind of blows that knocked me back but I kept on getting back up and channeling it through cricket so when the season was happening the process of the regional selection was was quite blurry and, and, and I get that because it was new COVID was happening and, and it was never going to be perfect straight away but it we didn't know it was always like some people had been selected and then but then then you kind of heard some spaces were left and then it was kind of like some counties were putting like try series on and they were going to select from that so I was like well okay so I've got these fixtures coming up for middle set so I've just got to play I've just got to play the best that I can so the, the kind of knockbacks were happening but I was still getting up and just going out into the middle and just really just giving absolutely everything through my cricket and, and I was I was performing like I was you know I was scoring runs and and despite everything I think I hope that that shows certainly shows to me and to be honest that's all that really matters I know that I can perform you know when everything's against me and those 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 innings that I played for middle six mean absolute most to me and the best innings that I've played in my life and you know and that if I never play again I've got that to help to to remember and you know I, I did I didn't leave anything behind so that's that's kind of one thing channeling it through the game and and all that talking to people about what I was going through you know a lot honestly like so much support I had so much support and I did did I this yeah because I have spoken to the Samaritans a couple of times before and I did I did call I did actually end up calling the Samaritans because even when you have a support network sometimes you start to feel when things are really quite bad you know it's a lot to to sort of be able to put that burden on others so yeah I used that support and had a really nice conversation with somebody who just listened and it was amazing so yeah and I appreciate this is sort of getting into a bit of a deeper level but if anybody is is ever thinking whether that's a good thing to do absolutely go for it and it really helped me in that moment but yeah that's basically what I did honestly thank you so much for sharing that and I'm just going to steal a question and then I'll hand it over to Alex but just following up on that as well do you still have hopes to play within the regional structures this upcoming season and potentially in the future it's a very interesting one because you know we talk about it if you have a dream like just keep going and keep going and keep going but it's not that I'm giving up on that okay but like I said my purpose is is about you know helping others and facilitating others which I can do through my coaching and through my job and the reason why I might say that I'm not chasing becoming a professional cricketer is because I lost I lost the enjoyment of the game through the process and for me that I do believe I have it within me I do believe I have the the ability but that that enjoyment went through that process which is why I walked away from middle sense because I wasn't enjoying it anymore 
simple as and you know it's not personal to anybody it's just that I wasn't enjoying it anymore and and that's massive that's massive for me but I mean I'm so excited to whenever I get the opportunity to pick up a bat again I will be playing at any given opportunity I just I'm not kind of seeing it as that goal like I was before. But if I perform and if something happens, then that would be amazing. So, yeah, that's the best answer I can give you, really, to be honest. Yeah. I wanted to know how mentally challenging is it to be told by your coach that basically you're not going to be picked for regionals because I don't think you can cope and how did you deal with that yeah I mean obviously like those of you who didn't read the blog that was kind of the most I guess emotional part of it when I explained that I tried to explain how I felt and I really really didn't expect it like I have had a history of struggling with uh, with my mental health just like some people might have had a physical injury injury but I'd overcome it and I'd got to such a good place and I'd, I'd had support and I trained so hard over the winter and and you know the coaching staff my team all, all saw that I'd, I'd, I'd paid money for a PT I'd been training throughout the day I'd been trying to replicate the life of professional cricketer for myself so I'd been working really really hard and my mental health hadn't been been something that had got gotten in the way so I didn't expect that to be the reason and also from a human point of view and from a mental health advocate and as a coach that to say that as well I just felt like in that moment it was honestly like just the biggest kick in the stomach and like something inside of me just broke like just in that moment because it was just it was just awful you know and I just didn't expect it not from where you expect there's a sort of duty of care and it's like say if you're if you're if the people close to you or, or people that you sort of trust you know say something that they should know would be hurtful is is worse I mean somebody on the street who I don't know says that to me then it doesn't it doesn't matter like but it was it was so unexpected and again it's not personal and what I've learned through doing my level four as well is that we've all got different personalities different preferences and it's not something that I don't understand it and 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 I'm hurt by it but for whatever reason that person at that point didn't have the understanding that what was being said and the reasons and everything what wasn't the right thing to say to this particular player at this particular time and that's yeah it comes down to understanding your players and and maybe with the new professional setup coaches are going to have more opportunity to understand their players on the way that they need to so that you can give meaningful feedback that isn't going to cause the issues that it caused me I think that's so important as such a key message there in the delivering of potentially negative news that you do know is going to upset somebody and just how you do that is so important especially from that coach position the final question just from me is what are your hopes for 2021? Good question. And um, I'll start with with the job. I hope that once we get back out and, and deliver that myself and the team at Box have managed to create a lots of opportunities for young girls and all the way up to women of any age and ability to, to play cricket and enjoy cricket. That's going to be something to look forward to. Whenever I get the opportunity to train again and play cricket, I just can't wait. I've got no expectation as to when that'll be. But yeah, absolutely can't wait. I mean, it, hopefully it'll go better than the first time I played after the last lockdown when I got run out without facing. But even if that happens, <laughs> it is what it is. What else in 2021? Well, continue with the level four. Hopefully actually meeting and, meet, and meeting people with my job. I've not met anybody face to face, actually. It's all been through a screen. But yeah, but then from a simple point of view is, is hugging 
hugging my friends and family that I haven't hugged in so long. We're all we're all in the same the same storm but different boats. That's what I like to call it. Yeah, and just those simple things like connectivity, community. We've all been missing it, and I guess finally that COVID is something that is under control. People are vaccinated, and we're living happier and healthier lives, and and we're, we'll be able to do more things. Fingers crossed. Honestly, that's perfect. I've said perfect again, but. I'm unapologetically saying perfect. Such a good message. Hopefully young girls, boys can engage with it and actually hear what you're saying and really resonate with the message that's coming across. So thank you for your honesty as well, because it takes a very special person to be able to be open like that. Thank you. Um, honestly, it's been it's been a pleasure. And thanks for, you know, inviting me. I've absolutely loved it. And I wish you both well with the podcast, with your lives, and I'll continue to support what you do in any way I can and yeah if you ever question the impact that you're having with this don't because you 100% are going to make a huge difference to a lot of people so thank you yeah thank you I had such a meltdown about that the other day um just quickly would you be willing to do like a, a few quick fire questions they're just we, it's something we like to do at the end of the podcast just like fun questions not related to cricket at all no no honestly I've got all the time in the world so yeah go for it so Alex is really good at these questions so Alex would you like to do some quick fire questions sure what's your favorite genre of music oh I'm see I'm so annoying like I just don't have one I'm like open-minded and love all music do you have a favorite singer or artist Ed Sheeran last book you read probably Harry Potter last film you watched Mean Girls last tv show you binge watched oh the bold type totally recommended it's on amazon but recommend it women's empowerment all the way anna have you got any questions well mine's always your favorite sledging term because i always find it funny as you can probably imagine i'm not a sledger so i can't, I can't even answer that i'll probably think of something when you go off, off the call my favorite one's always big swing no ding <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know i don't i can't think of any right now i'm really sorry we got one the other day that was was it um dalmatians and spots or something that's on that- the so that's on roberta's podcast can't think quickly enough that's the problem in the in the heat of the battle just focusing on the game like if to think of to sled just doesn't even cross my mind what's your favorite compliment then favorite compliment in cricket yeah that's a thing is that a thing no maybe we could make it a thing instead of sledging we should just compliment one another instead (laughs) well i remember hitting a shot like this is why it's really annoying that there's no visibility like or filming of games although to be fair this was a club game in new zealand so I don't, there's a long way till club games are getting filmed. But I hit a six, right? I hit a six over mid on. Probably the best shot I've ever played in my life. And everybody on the pitch just was in utter silence. Like, and I thought that's probably the best thing that could happen in a cricket context. It was that good. So it was like, was there, oh, what's the name of the cricket club? I wish I could remember the name of the cricket club in, in Auckland because they have like an outdoor cricket nets thing and it went onto the roof of it, but I can't remember the name of it. I want to say Cornwall. Let's go with that. I think my favourite sled was in the ashes when uh, Mitchell Johnson went to Jimmy Anderson. Why are you chirping now, mate? Not getting any wickets and then he bowls Peter Siddle and then he just does the classic. <laughs> that's probably my fave have you got one. any more quick fires alex because if not i've got a couple yeah you go you go favorite tea item tea item yeah, for cricket teas so what's your favorite oh, go-to 
I love a I'm like a I like hot food at Cricket D's. So like if there's if there's some pizza or or like some chili and rice or some pasta that's hot, I'm straight in there. I love hot food. Favorite cricket ground? Probably gonna have to be Lords. And the favorite team you've played for? This would have to be Takapuna. So a team I played for in in Auckland, club team in New Zealand. Just a lovely group of girls. I really felt you know comfortable to be myself, and we had a great laugh, and it was one of the the most fun seasons I've had. Perfect. That's all from me. Just quickly Olivia where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to find out more about you more about Ray Cricket coaching yeah so I'm on Twitter and Instagram as ollyray14 pretty sure they're both the same across and yeah you should see links to Ray Cricket coaching on there as well and there's a website but yeah I mean I guess I'm always always promoting what I do on, on my personal accounts and they're all open as well so yeah if you want to engage then great if it's not for you then also great but yeah thank you so much and stay in touch and thank you so much for everything you're doing for the women's game cricket generally and of course for supporting our podcast all good well thanks again for having me and thank you for everything you're doing massive thank you to olivia for coming on and being a guest on the podcast and for being so open and honest about her struggles It's also amazing to hear what great things she's been up to during lockdown and how that actually led to her getting a job to help implement change. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at HannahT1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.